we have an amazing foundation today. Amen. We have great leaders today. Amen. churches that have 2,000 people and they lose a music director and they're lost. We got someone to step in that most churches would die for. We're not even that big, but that's how God has blessed our church. Amen. We should be thankful for that. Amen. We should be thankful today. Amen. Galatians 6 and 9. Turn to the word of the Lord. We can dismiss our Sunday school at this time. Thankful for our Sunday school teachers. They're part of that awesome team that we have. Thankful our children get good instruction in the word of the Lord every week. And uh, we have not just babysitters, but we have Bible teachers. Amen. That put effort and energy into preparing lessons and sharing them with our children. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Amen. Galatians 6, 9, a verse we're very familiar with. We're continuing with the theme of hope. But God took me outside the book this week that we've been going through and uh, just spoke to my heart the other night. And if this is only for me today, then just let me preach to myself and uh, hopefully you'll get something out of it. But Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap. We shall reap. Amen. There's no doubt in that statement. There's no maybe or a possible thing may happen, but it is we shall reap if we faint not. The only possibility of not reaping is if we faint. But if we will just not grow weary in well-doing and we will continue to do what God has called us to do, we shall reap. Amen. In due season. We shall reap today. And so today we're going to talk about having hope for a harvest. Amen. Hope for a harvest. Not just a small in-gathering where we're able to gather a couple bushels, a couple souls here and there, but I'm expecting a mighty harvest. Barns overflowing, building new barns. Harvest. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. The one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could even ask or think today, above all we could conceive in our minds, as much as we can dream for, you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above that, Lord. There is nothing impossible with you today. There is nothing too hard for you today. You are the King of glory. You are God Almighty. And we put our hope and our trust in You. Some put their hope in horses. Some in chariots. Some in money and the things of this life. But today, we put our hope in You, Jesus. We put our hope in You. Our trust in You. 
knowing that you are able, Lord, to keep that which we have committed to you until that day. Amen. We worship you today, God. We magnify you in this place today. Amen. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We need to have greater expectations today. We need to lift up our expectations today. We're praying to the God that can, the God that will, the God that is able today. Amen. He is able today. He is able today. This is not the power of positive speaking. This is not feeling better about myself and talking myself happy. This is expressing faith in the one who created all things. The one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who holds our days in his hands. The events of history in his hands. Amen. He is the king we trust in today. He is the one we look to today. Amen. We worship you today, God. Amen. One more time before we're seated, I just want us to express faith. Amen. I'm going to believe you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord. For greater than I've ever trusted you for in times past, Lord. I'm going to believe you, God. I know you're going to bring things to pass, oh God. I believe in Jesus' name. We are well able to do it. We are well able to do it. We are well able to do it. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Amen. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to begin the message, but I don't want us to change the atmosphere. Amen. Don't go to sleep on me just because we start preaching. Amen. But you can be seated. Amen. Farming is an act of faith. A farmer invests a great deal of effort and expense to plow the land and prepare it for sowing. Then he casts grain into the soil where it will rot and decompose so that it might bring forth life. Why does he put all this time and effort, the hours, the finance, literally his well-being in the hands of this harvest because he knows and believes that the one who causes life to spring up out of the soil is faithful. He believes that God will make the land yield many times the quantity of his investment. He knows the land will yield many times the quantity of his investment. And my prayer today is that we would possess the faith of that farmer. I desire that we would hope in another great harvest. We need to be fully persuaded that our labor is not in vain. Not one prayer is in vain. Not one church service is in vain. Not one time reading the Word of God is in vain. Not one time being a witness is in vain. We must cast down the evil thoughts that would discourage us from investing time, effort, and energy into the kingdom of God and press forth knowing that if we are faithful to labor, we will reap a harvest. We shall reap a harvest. The harvest is a team effort. The labor of man, the labor of you and I, and the supernatural assistance of the life-giving God that we serve. And it takes both. It takes both. Amen. God's not going to give life without labor, and we can't have labor alone and produce life. It takes both life and labor.
farmer's labor begins by preparing the soil for harvest. It it often involves plowing the ground, getting it ready to receive the seed. If the ground is not ready, it will do no good to sow the seed. That's why Hosea 10 and 12. I'll give a pause here so Brother Hunter can get that on the screen. I didn't give him the verses. Hosea 10 and 12. It says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground or your ground that will not yield any fruit in its current condition. For it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. It's time to break up the fallow ground. To plow it up. To soften it up. To get that rich soil in a place where the seed can germinate and bring forth life. How do we break up our fallow ground? When sin and the struggles of life make our heart hard and at a place it can't receive the Word of God. It can't receive faith. It can't receive the promises of God. We must humble ourselves, number one. We must humble ourselves in the presence of God. We must make a conscious effort to break up our heart in humbling ourselves. The Lord says a broken and a contrite spirit or a broken and a contrite heart, He will never despise. When we break up our hearts by humbling ourselves, by getting in His presence and and requesting His assistance, He will never turn us away. It doesn't matter how bad the ground is before that. It doesn't matter how many sins we have done before that. When we humble ourselves, God will answer The hardened heart of a criminal can be softened in the presence of God as he humbles himself. It doesn't matter today how hard we are right now if we will humble ourselves and be broken in his presence. Our heart will be ready to receive. That's one reason why in just a little over a week we are beginning a time of prayer and fasting. It's not about a dietary change alone. It's about seeking the face of God. It's about being broken in His presence. It's about getting our hearts softened from the hardness of the busyness and the callous life we are a part of. To just be alone with God. Alone with God. Not only for ourselves, but I believe as we break up our hearts and as we pray and as we seek the face of God, other people's hearts will be broken as well. Not broken in the bad sense, but broken again to receive. Made soft in the hands of God. When we fast and pray, that's not to twist God's arm or change His mind. It's to change us so that we can receive from Him. And it's to change them out there so they can receive from Him. There's a supernatural thing that occurs when we fast and when we pray. It's not just a spiritual activity. It's no accident that we've had a hundred plus visitors this year. That is no accident. That is because last October we fasted and we prayed. And God began to bring in a harvest. And we haven't seen all of them born again. We haven't seen all of them 
Come in and stay, but we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep fasting. We're going to keep getting hearts ready to receive the word of the Lord. Without fasting and prayer, people's hearts are like the hard ground that the seed will sit on the surface and do nothing. We can't expect to change people's lives through just going out there and being religious. We can't just go out there and knock on their door without baptizing it in prayer. We can't expect to talk to our coworkers or even our family members without baptizing it in prayer. But as we do, their hearts will be softened where they can receive. Fasting and prayer is not a waste of time. It breaks up the soil. It gets the soil ready. And if you don't plow before the harvest, you're a fool. We must plow the ground. And once the ground is plowed, we must begin to sow the seed. Second Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 encourages us to sow the seed. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of a necessity, because I have to do it. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Someone that says, I get to do this. This is my privilege. This is my honor, not my duty. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And I know we often, as soon as we think of giving, our mind goes to our wallet. We think of only the time in the service where the plate is passed. And obviously this applies in that context, but we also need to understand that giving involves committing ourselves. Giving ourselves a living sacrifice. Giving money is nothing if our heart is not given also. Giving my time, giving my talent, giving my treasure, giving my gifts back to God who gave them to me in the first place to be used for His glory, not for my advancement. For His glory. How can we expect a great harvest if we sow a few seeds? Again, someone would think you were foolish if you have this massive field and you go out there with a handful of seed and you toss it into the wind and expect a great harvest. What is a handful of seed in a field so large? How can we expect a great harvest of spiritual understanding when we sow the Word of God into our hearts and minds sparingly? How can we expect a great harvest of souls when we're only partially committed to the cause of the gospel? 
How can we expect to grow in the kingdom of God when we do not commit ourselves to being involved in the harvest at every chance we can? And when we do finally pick up the sickle, we do it grudgingly. Oh no, i got to go to work again. My boss is such a taskmaster. On the other hand, when we cheerfully give ourselves to God, we can expect to reap bountifully. It's not a question. We shall reap. When we give ourselves cheerfully, wholeheartedly in everything, we will see a return. When we don't watch the clock during prayer and Bible study and church, we can expect abundant spiritual growth. I'm mindful of the time. I don't keep you here way past five, ever. Maybe we pray longer sometimes, but I don't preach for three or four or five, six hours. You don't need to look. I know what it says. It's up there for a reason. So you have to turn around to look. Save your neck. Guess you have to be awake to turn around. When we give until it hurts, when we labor beyond what is convenient, farmers get up in age, they have worked hard their life. They learned to push past when they were tired. They learned to get up early in the morning when they didn't feel like it. They weren't learned to wipe the sweat off their brow and just keep going. They learned to surrender it all to the harvest. And when we surrender it all to God, something supernatural happens. His grace abounds toward us. When we give everything we have, He steps in and makes up the gap that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, He always gives us enough when we're committed to Him that we may abound to every good work. Abounding is not a picture of dragging on the ground and barely making it. Abounding is running, jumping, leaping, overflowing it's the barn that has hay sticking out of every corner it's abounding when we sow bountifully we shall reap bountifully again sometimes people are used to going to church where they have to get a guilt trip to do anything I'm not that way I don't desire to guilt anybody because guilt is not a good motivator. Love is the best motivator. And when we do it because we love Him, there's more of a supernatural return. Because God has a hard time blessing, apparently, a grudging giver. It's almost as if it's better not to do it at all. And again, that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a struggle. That doesn't mean it doesn't take discipline. But when we push past with an attitude of faith that says, I may not feel like doing this, but it's going to reap results.
I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. See, it matters what we sow. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Not only should we sow, but we have to sow the right seed for God to bless it. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Corruption or life everlasting is our choice. What will we sow to? If we want apples, we don't buy corn seed. Right? If you buy corn and you're expecting apples, you have an elevator that doesn't go to the top. It stops somewhere short. A few fries short of a happy meal is another one. We're not in our right mind if we think we can sow to our flesh all the time and somehow we're accidentally going to reap life everlasting. Or we're just going to make it to heaven by accident somehow. We have to sow to the Spirit. We have to sow righteousness to ourselves, Hosea said. When we pray again, we read our Bible, we're involved with activities that bring spiritual growth, we will see growth in our lives. We will see things growing out of us. Fruit of the Spirit will begin to grow as we give ourselves to sowing righteousness to us. People think because we be careful about what we watch or we be careful about what we listen to or what we read or what we even put in our body sometimes, they think that that has to do with legalism. No, it has to do with wisdom. If we're doing it because we think we're earning salvation, we have an issue. But if we're doing it because we're sowing to the Spirit, we are wise. We are wise. And the world will make fun of you for trying to sow to your spirit, but keep sowing to your spirit. Let them figure out their field. You cultivate your field. Sow to the spirit. Sow to the spirit. Because that's the only way to receive a crop of life everlasting. We shouldn't live in a way where we try to do the minimum to be saved well I'm not sure if I really have to do that is it something that God wants you to do is it a blessing in your life then why question it just do it just do it if it's a commandment if it's something God spoke through somebody in the Bible to do just do it Because you're going to be blessed for it. You're going to have a blessed life. We should approach prayer as the greatest privilege in the entire world. We have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Prayer is not something we should approach grudgingly or as a discipline alone. It is a great privilege where we are changing not only eternity for ourselves, but for others.
Studying the Bible is an opportunity to know the creator of the universe and the ever-elusive meaning of life. How many people travel the world, spend thousands and thousands of dollars on education to figure out the meaning of life? I'll save you a bunch of money and time. We'll go to the dollar store and I'll buy you a Bible. And you can read all about it for a dollar. I know Bernie's giving you free education. I'll I'll give you a free one. I'll pay the dollar. Free education. Free college. So many people pass over the Bible as if they're going to find something better. Reading the Bible makes us wise unto salvation. It tells us about the whole reason we're here. It tells us about the one who created us and what's going to happen for all of eternity. Why would we not want to read it and figure it out? Well, because I can get that information on Facebook. Somebody can tell me about it there. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. But the awesome thing is, the more we pray, the more we study, the closer we get to Him, the more we become to know Him. The more we get life in Him, the more we grow. We're not sowing in vain. But because we're human, verse 9 is there. Because we're human, we have to be reminded. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's dangerous to grow weary, because when we grow weary, we start making poor decisions. We give up on promises because we decide they're not going to happen. We compromise. And in the ancient world, this phrase translated grow weary was used for the kind of fear and weariness of a woman during childbirth, before the delivery. While she's struggling to have this child, she's in pain. She's got fear surrounding her. She grows weary. And it's hard, it's possible in the the labors of life to grow weary and and not think it's going to be possible to have the promises. Not possible to have the child. Not possible to have what God says He will do. And we give up pushing. And we relax. But if you don't push, the baby's not going to be delivered. If you don't push... You're not going to have your promise come to pass because it takes a combined effort. You've got to push. You've got to put some effort behind it. Yes, God gave you the miracle of a life. God gave you the miracle of a promise, but He's asking you to push until it's born. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't quit pushing before the promise. Keep working. Keep fighting. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep witnessing. 
Well, the last person didn't say any, they didn't give any indication that they're ever going to serve God. Witness to another person. Keep loving people. Keep declaring the kingdom of God. Keep living for righteousness. Keep laboring in the harvest. Because in God's ordained time, we will reap if we faint not. We will reap if we faint not. Psalm 126. Psalm 126, verse 5, gives us insight that this is not an easy process. Psalm 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Sometimes in the sowing, it's going to be such a struggle that tears are pouring down our face. That we're literally weeping, but we just keep putting our hand in the pouch and getting out another handful of seed. Another hand in the pouch. Another handful of seed. Another hand in the pouch. Another handful of seed. And I'm sowing in tears. I'm sowing in tears. I feel like giving up, but I can't give up. Because if I don't sow here, this ground's never going to have a crop. If I don't sow here, this soul's never going to be saved. If I don't sow here, how is somebody going to get to heaven? So though I'm weary, though I'm tired, though I feel like giving up, I've got to put my hand in the pouch and get more seed and just keep on sowing. Because there's going to be a day when I'm going to reap in joy. He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. There is no more precious seed than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no more precious seed than repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's no more precious seed. There's no more precious seed. Well, this farmer next to me, he's not sowing that seed. But I can't be worried about that. This is my seed. I'm sowing God's seed. This is the Word of God. This is a seed that hasn't been hybrid with the world. This is a seed that hasn't been genetically changed to to fit the taste of man a little bit better. This is the seed that will save. This is the Word of God. The supernatural power that only He can provide. I've got to keep sowing the truth. I've got to keep sowing the word. Bearing precious seed. And when we go forth and weep, and we bear that precious seed, it says that we shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. We shall doubtless. There's again... It's not, there should be no doubt in us as we're sowing. There should be no doubt in us that we're going to come again rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. Bringing the sheaves with him. There's the labor of the farmer, and there's the Lord of the harvest. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Tells us about the Lord of the harvest. 
We've been talking about our part that we've got to do. We've got to labor. We've got to be faithful to do what we're called to do. God can't cause a crop to... He's not going to do it anyways unless we're doing it. He can do whatever He wants, obviously. But He's waiting for a farmer to plow. He's waiting for a farmer to sow the seed. He's waiting for a farmer to get the ground ready. But when we do that, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We're going to be rewarded according to our labor. God's going to bless what's been planted, what's been watered. But He's going to bring the increase. Man cannot produce seeds. Man man may alter seeds. He may change them to produce different kind of crops. But man cannot produce life. Man can only sow it. He can only prepare the ground and sow the seed. But only God can bring the increase. The increase is up to Him. The labor is up to us. God's not going to bring an increase without labor. So we have to labor. But we have to understand as we labor, even if we don't see the results when we want to see them, God will be faithful to do His part in His time. We plant, we water, we plow, but God gives the increase. He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. And I'm thankful today that He still gives life. He still gives life. That's why we can pray with people. We can instruct them in the Word of God. But only God can give the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Only God can do that. We can do a lot of the process of the gospel in the the preaching, the teaching, the the co-laboring together. We even get to play a part in baptizing someone in the name of Jesus and calling His name. Of course, it's Him that actually remits sin. But we get to play a part in that. And we can pray with people to receive the Holy Ghost, but He reserves that as something that only He can do. That's one part of the process that God says, I am holding this to me alone. I will not let you have this peace. This is mine and mine alone. Only I can give the increase through the baptism of my Spirit. Man cannot produce it. And I believe that's why God has ordained it in such a fashion. Because man cannot manipulate it or produce it. Only God can baptize someone with the Holy Spirit and give them the utterance of tongues. Only God can do that. Only God. He is the Lord of the harvest. He lets us partake in labor, but He alone gives the increase. In conclusion, Luke chapter 10, 
again, reminds us. You see, there's some doctrines that man has come up with that unfortunately make some people feel like evangelism isn't even really necessary. Stuff like, we're not even going to get into the depth of it, but like predestination where basically you're going to be saved or you're not, doesn't matter. Why do we even have church then? Why would we have missionaries? If it's everybody's selected and they're just saved that way. You wouldn't need a laborer. If everybody's just chosen and saved or not chosen. You don't need laborers. That's like the field just grows. Instead of weeds, just grows corn. Produces apple trees, all stuff. Just God does everything. No laborer needed. But we understand there's something called free will. And the Lord is not willing that any would perish, but all who come to repentance. God's willing and desiring that everyone would be saved. But people have to respond to the gospel. And how are they going to respond without a preacher? And the preacher is not just me or whoever else stands behind this pulpit. The preacher is you. It's everyone who knows the gospel. It's everyone filled with the Spirit. Luke 10.2 says, Therefore say unto them, The harvest truly is great. We understand that. We look outside these doors throughout this city and the people doing all kinds of stuff today that's not of Christ and we say, The harvest is great. There's literally 300,000 people within a five-mile radius. The harvest is great. But the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. We're the laborers. That's why the devil wants us to give up. Because if we give up, who's going to gather the harvest? What if all the farmers in America decided they didn't believe in farming anymore? They just all gave up. I'm not going to get another crop. I'm tired of trying. If they bought that lie... We would be without food. And likewise, if all of us just kind of decide that, well, I don't know if this gospel thing works, or I don't know if it's that important, or I don't know if the Bible's really true. I don't know if I can really make a difference. There's not going to be a harvest. But on the other hand, if we get a hold of this, and we understand that every time we pray, it's sowing seed. Every time we read the Bible, we're sowing seed. Every time we love somebody, we may not preach the whole gospel or quote a bunch of scriptures, but if we will just love everybody we come across, respect every person we come across with our hearts open to the Spirit to say something if the Spirit leads us to. That every day we're looking for opportunities to share the gospel. 
we're going to see a great harvest. We're going to see an unbelievable harvest. If we keep learning to take God at His word, if we keep growing in faith and understanding, knowing that God is wanting us to step out and open our mouth. God is wanting us to step out and pray and witness. God is wanting us to be a part of the process. You and I get to be that person. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary showing up to prayer. Don't grow weary going to Brother Maurice's Bible class because you're going to learn some really good stuff. Don't grow weary practicing music because you're getting better to lead people in worship. Well, I don't know. It's kind of a waste of time. No, it's not. There is no better use of your time than doing God's will for your life. Amen. We could stand today. We're going to pray in just a moment and just commit ourselves to the harvest, obviously, as you want to. But today we need to leave. And what I'm believing God for is as we pray and we commit ourselves afresh, that God's going to move by His Spirit and start planting some seeds of faith that we're going to leave encouraged. We're going to leave dreaming again. God's put something in your heart. Again, it doesn't have to be church-related. If God's calling you to do something beyond church, a ministry, who knows what, just step out and do it. It's going to have results. It's going to have results. When we're faithful to do what God tells us to do, He brings the increase. Every time. In due time. So if we're a little bit weary today, don't feel bad. Amen. All you got to do is lift up your hands and say, Lord, I receive your strength today. Lord, I, I receive a renewed vision today. I've been growing a little weary in doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing because I haven't been seeing the results that I think I should see. Or the enemy's been lying to me and I've been listening a little bit too much to those lies and I've been getting discouraged thinking it's not going to come to pass. But Lord, I'm going to cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against you. And I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to be faithful to sow seed in my life knowing that I'm going to reap in due season. I'm going to reap in due season. I'm going to reap in due season. I'm going to reap. In Jesus' name, I'm going to.